Well, now we're at part four and there's just not a lot left to be said. You made it. You made it through the other three parts, through all the craziness, through the meth. And you were like, you know what? I think I could use some more pain, some more trauma. Well, you asked for it. Here we go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Canceled Apprentice podcast, where we develop resilience and learn how to reach maturity mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I'm your host and Canceled Apprentice, Cole Vandervoort. I'm the king but don't call me no I think part of the shock for me was that you're going into this meeting and you told me, you're like, I'm getting fired. Like, dude, there's literally no way. Like, you, you can't be getting fired. Like, you haven't done anything fireable. No offenses I hadn't. that are fireable. And uh, also my experience with being in a mega church is that even though there was some not great experiences, at the same time, um, the lead pastor of mine and my boss uh, is a loyal yeah. guy. He so is. like, he's he's just, I like him. he's gonna give you a lot of chances. Uh, he's a great, great man. And um, and so, yeah, I was thinking, oh, it'll be a similar experience. Like may, maybe you did something, maybe you screwed up, maybe you need to do better in this, I don't know. Um, but there's no way you're gonna be going into this meeting to get fired. Yeah, yeah and... Uh, I didn't think that because I had a guilty conscience. I thought it because I'm like, hey, they just they just called me in for a meeting. And uh, and I was on the phone, I think, with you. And then I looked at my phone. I got a notification that said I had been unsubscribed. I've been removed from administrative privileges for all my social media accounts for the, for the group and all this stuff. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. There's no way. Like, they're, right. they're firing me. And uh, then I went, and sure enough, that is what happened. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, we're we're getting, we, we probably shouldn't go too far into it because we're already getting low on time here. I'll summarize it. But just give, give me the highlights. Uh, oh, man. There was a policy. Let's do this. Okay. There was a policy that they had. Um, that I'm just going to tell this story. They, uh, but I won't get super deep. They had, you know, tithing. If you don't know, if you're not religious, tithing is when you give a certain amount of your income to your church or to the church, as I would say. Um, and I was not tithing to this church because I was new on staff and, before that, I didn't really have a church home yet in the area, and I was tithing to a missionary couple to, that planted a church in Australia. And uh, I really believed in what they're doing. Awesome people. So I was tithing to them, and um, at our staff Christmas party, there was a long conversation about how 40% of us weren't tithing enough. To the church or tithing to the church. I don't, I don't know. I would call that a conversation, but yeah, I mean, maybe a lecture. Yeah, and it was uncomfortable. It it felt uncomfortable 
you could feel it. He was uncomfortable, but it, it yeah. went on for a long time because people started to kind of argue oh. from the audience. Um, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> but I was yeah. sitting there thinking, mm, I'm the new guy. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. But I didn't like it. I was like, this doesn't feel right. Okay, anybody should know that. You do not bring... Okay, you're having a Christmas party. It's called a party for yeah. a reason. We're not going to be bringing up finances, let alone, hey, you're not tithing to our church. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a great call. Oh, goodness. Um, and I, to be fair, I didn't know this this head pastor very well. Still don't. I uh, had just a few conversations with him, short conversations the whole time I was on staff there. Um, and we've all made mistakes in ministry and maybe that wasn't, you know, it wasn't probably a malicious, evil, corrupt thing on his part. I don't, I didn't know him. Uh, I think it was probably just a misstep. He's like, Hey, this is on the agenda. Then we can party. Um, but what was weird about it was that they were tracking our staff tithing without our knowledge, consent or permission. Right. Uh, and we didn't know that we didn't know that. So you're all getting called yeah, out. So they're, uh, they're looking at how much this. they're paying us and looking at how much we're paying them back and saying, hey, we have a list of people who's not tithing enough for not tithing to us. Um, and no biblical reason was given for that. And no biblical reason was given for uh, why we should be tithing. The only r- real reason was like, you know, you make your living off of people in this church who are doing what you're unwilling to do. I understand that reasoning. Either way, I had no intention of touching this with a 10-foot pole. No way. Um, no, no. Because we talked about that. I was like, dude, do not engage. Yeah. Like, it's not going to go yeah. well. And you knew I, that. But I didn't expect to be, you know, I didn't think it'd be a fireable offense. I just thought it'd just be no unnecessary yeah. conflict. And I'm the new guy. I just don't need exactly. it. So exactly. I didn't. And then an executive pastor came into my office. Um who I thought was I was close friends with. I really liked this guy a lot. And this was the weirdest conversation we had had. Uh, we'd had great interactions up to that point, but this conversation um, came in and said, hey, I want to know what you think about this tithing policy. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. You know, I just, I do what I'm told. He's like, no, seriously, tell me what you think. I was like, no, I'm the new guy, man. I don't have any opinions on this stuff. Like, really trying to not share uh, my thoughts on it. And and you weren't singled out. It was like they were going to all the staff, right? Well, that's that's when it got weird. And he said, no, seriously. And then he started buttering me up a little bit. He's like, I know that you have a master's in you know theology. Um, I really, I really think it's important for me to hear your opinion on this policy. And um, I just didn't believe that at all. I was one of two people on staff with a master's degree, staff of a lot hmm. of people. I didn't yeah, know that. at least in uh, the pastoral staff. Um, okay. And the head pastor was not one of them, surprisingly. I would have thought it would have been. But anyway, uh, he's plenty knowledgeable. Not everybody needs a degree. But um, I, that's when my eight came out for the first time because I was like, that's bullshit. I didn't tell him that, but I looked at him. I said, I think the reason you're really here is because you have this list and the list is of people who aren't tithing to the church and my name's on it, isn't it? And he said, yeah, that's why I'm here. And I, that that really rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, why, did you, why are you lying to me? 
Like, just tell me. You know, that's why we're here. And I, I said, hey, man, I have no problem tithing to this church, but here's my situation. I committed to tithing to this missionary couple for a year before I was hired here. And as soon as that commitment's done, I could do it here. Um, and I'm just not going to get into the whole nitty gritty of the conversation, but basically we, he still really wanted to know my thoughts on the policy for some reason. I now know that reason to be, he was gauging my loyalty. Um, he was gauging whether or not my values aligned with theirs. And this was a huge value. And I think that, that you can recognize that when they're talking about tithing at a staff Christmas party in a in a reprimand, you know? Like that mm. then money's one of your big values. It just is. When you put it before we can party, uh, it's there. And I he was he was gauging that. And so my answer to him was simple. It was, you can do whatever you want. If that's the policy you want, you can make it. That's your role. I'm going to follow it. However, uh, I do not believe that that will build your discipleship. And I'm not saying I have a problem with tithing or that people shouldn't tithe. My position is that if you start with a list, and of people's names who aren't doing it and start with gotcha, you are not going to um, create tithing uh, or, or create tithing from the right heart. The motivation is going to, by default, you're going you're gonna to change some people's motivations to be in good standing with the church instead of being good standing with God. And I said, can you give me any scriptural reason why you think it's good to track staff tithing? And he said, no, uh, I'm not really sure. So I can look at it. Um, again, this guy's my friend. I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. I just thought we were having a little friendly debate, you know, conversation about it. And um, then he said, you, you know, you, you have your degree in spiritual discipline. Are you saying that we shouldn't track any spiritual disciplines so we can see our progress in different things? I said, no, I think we absolutely should. What other spiritual disciplines are you tracking? course, none, just the money. <laughs> and I said, you know, mm. we see this issue in the New Testament where people would go put their coins in the coffers and then they'd clink them really loud so everybody could see what they were giving, right? And I said, you're, you're, we're not doing that. Um, but what you're doing for us is you're, you're holding the coffer up and you're saying, hey, put the money in. And then we put it in there and you clink it for us. And uh, I said, there's just no way that that we can really maintain pure motivations and actually be doing it because we want to have our heart right with Jesus. Um, and they fired me for actually completely different and made up reasons. They went to some people, um, I found out later who had complained, but they found out about these people there's two, two or three of them. They found out these about these people from me because other pastors had given me a heads up and said, this person uh, is known to have a lot of issues with pastors. Just a heads up. They're not a bad person, but they just do. Just want you to keep. And so me meeting with my boss, like, hey, I was just informed. Keep an eye on this. He went to those people to try to find ammunition to fire me. Uh, ultimately, they fired me for like not growing the group enough, which was strange because... 
numbers. Yeah, because I'd never been given a metric or had a conversation with that ever. And my first uh, quarter that I had the group there, I think I was up 13% attendance over the previous year. And that was like a big deal. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I think I was down 1% in January, but we cut our January or our December services for the first time ever um, that year. And so that was to be expected. Only lose 1% is actually a pretty, pretty cool thing. But uh, yeah, they, they said the numbers thing, even though I, it was literally never a conversation. That was the big reason that they gave me. And then they said they had some complaints, but they wouldn't tell me who they were from or really what they were. They just said, I, you know, I feel like you're being arrogant. And I was like, oh gosh, can you tell me how? No. Okay. Um, found out later from another staff member that they had actually given her uh, inaccurate reason. Um, they said that I was being insubordinate. That's what they told the uh, staff, at least some of them. They gave everybody different reasons. They gave people in my groups different reasons. They gave other staff members. But the one reason that I had when when it was like, you know, one of the one of the things people heard from a uh, an exec that was not a uh, made-up reason as far as I can tell, just a very honest response was it was insubordinate. And I do I do think, even though I I said that I'm gonna do whatever you want. It's your call. You get to do what's best here. I do think that I um, I was viewed as insubordinate for that conversation. I was not allowed to really have an opinion on that. Which is just wild to... Okay, yeah. First of all, you didn't didn't know. You thought you were in a, a conversation with somebody who you could have actual conversation with. Who I thought was my friend. Yeah. Um, he was very uh, upset with me. But even to have you know, one instance like that's usually not a fireable offense. Right. You know, there's always like a follow-up meeting like, hey, you should do this differently, do this better. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't even know. Okay, I'll change that. What, anything, literally anything like that, but it was like, nope, one conversation, boom. Yeah. And they actually, the next day or so, had a conversation with me and they're like, hey, you can't, you're, you're down here. You don't have that conversation about up here policies. And I was like, okay. And I thought, okay, we're good. We weren't good. I got fired for it still. <laughs> like, it didn't matter. Um, what was fascinating to me is that a group of staff members, and I'm not going to name them because some of them are still there. Um, a group of staff members came alongside me the second I got fired or when I was about to be, I think is when it was. And they huddled up and they prayed for me. And they said, we have to repent because we knew this culture existed and we have not told you. And we kind of let you step on a mine. And we didn't do that to be mean. We just, we don't know who we can trust. Hmm. And we now see you are somebody we should have trusted and prevented you from stepping on that mine. Hmm. And I thought that was really kind of them. And uh, sincere, and it was, it was a beautiful moment. It's an emotional moment. Um, but reflecting on it, I'm thinking, why are you working there? And this is what I mean when I say there are really wonderful people working at mega churches who are being taken advantage of. And uh, I, I really have a lot of respect for these guys. Um, I miss a lot of them. I haven't heard from them. You kind of get blacklisted when you get fired from a place. Nobody reaches out to you, really. I've had, I think, two people, maybe three total, out of a church of 5,000. 
reach out to me um, and and actually care and pursue any kind of relationship with me, uh, which really surprised me just because I didn't do anything immoral. It was, I didn't have an affair. I didn't do anything wrong. I actually did something moral. And I said, here's scripture. You can still do whatever you want to do, but I think you hired me to help your discipleship. And I think this will hurt your discipleship, our discipleship. Um, and then I was, I, I've, I'm a leper now. It's almost like you got canceled. Yeah. Almost. And there we are. I got canceled real hard and I've been canceled. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was used to it, but this one yeah. was really tough because I had trained. I went to four years of undergrad for bachelor's in counseling you know, a year training program and and leadership, and then you know, two two more years in masters. Um, Finish a little early because I was getting my ADHD under control. But that's what is that? Seven years. That's seven years of training hmm. and preparation for what I thought was this moment, and it wasn't that moment. That moment taught me a ton, and I had to grieve that actually. Hmm. I was super depressed after that. Mm -hmm. So just so you guys know, this is January 2019? 2020. 2020. And COVID hit right after. So I moved to Vancouver to do this job at a mega church that I thought was my calling and this beautiful opportunity get fired in a really painful way. And the hardest part about it was the people that were firing me, I thought were my closest friends. And they were cruel when they fired me. It wasn't just like, hey, we have to let you go. Like, they were angry. They wanted to punish me on my way out. And that surprised me so much coming from people who I thought were close friends. I had nightmares about it for months because I was like, man, this guy was my friend. I told him like so many of the hardest like things in my heart and I trusted him. And brilliant, brilliant con artist. I got to give him credit for it. He got me good. And it's tough to get me sometimes. And uh, I, I sunk into a deep depression. And you came through for me. You were just calling me like almost every day. And you were just like, hey, how are you doing? We we're talking. And I remember you telling me later, like you were just not yourself. No. As I started to slowly come out of it, you're like, it's like you were a different person yep. for that year. And it was super tough because it was when COVID hit and I was alone and my parents started going through a divorce and my mom moved in and was super triggered by me all the time because I'm an adult male and she's moving out of a tough relationship with my like dad. Man. Yeah, in some ways. <laughs> Careful. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was uh, super depressing. And I moved to Vancouver for this church and then I got blacklisted and all of a sudden I have no friends in this place that I'm stuck and I'm in lockdown and my mom was really struggling. She's doing great mm -hmm. now and we we're, we have a healed relationship. It's really beautiful. But at the time, it was the lowest point in my life mm -hmm. plus COVID plus no friends. And I've always, through this mm -hmm. whole story, I had you guys as mm -hmm. my family. And now I'm in a different state and I'm alone mm. at my lowest point, and my actual family doesn't like being around me uh, at all. And it was it was really hard. It was the deepest pit that I had been in in a long time. And then I started to come out of it. You were talking me through it. You were there for me when I had no friends nearby. You just kept calling me. And... uh 
I slowly came out of it. And then what you did tell me, which was amazing, was um, the day I got fired, you said, I don't understand this, but um, God just told me in prayer that he would restore you in six weeks. And I remember thinking, okay, God told you. Uh, okay. And six weeks. Go on, go on. Yeah. Six weeks to the day, someone that I had met in Arizona who wasn't even in the program I was in, who didn't even go to that church, but was leading a small group for them um, that I happened to run into and just kind of thought she was really cool. She connects me with a work from home position right before COVID hits that paid, it was a $25,000 raise. And through my depression and all this stuff, all of a sudden I could work from home. I could wallow. I didn't have to shower or move or get dressed. I just crawl into the seat and do a monotonous financial aid position, which was again, more details and stuff that made me want to die, but it paid me a lot this time. And I'd never been paid a lot before. And you worked, got to work from home right as COVID hit, which is incredible. So with that conversation, so the day that you got fired, you called me and I was mm-hmm. just like flabbergasted. Uh, could yeah. could not believe it. Just like it was not registering in my mind. Like there's no way. And uh, me either. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you were talking about what am I going to do? Like, what? What am I? I don't have a job. And I'm not a charismatic or a Pentecostal. I, you know, if we would have grown up in a church like that, I'd probably be a great charismatic. Should have bought a Honda. I should have, should have, should have bought a Honda. <laughs> um, I love my Pentecostal friends. Yeah, me so, too. We got to give um, them crap, but. Yeah. I, and I'm also not a cessationist either. Nope. Um, We're somewhere in between. In the in-between land. But this was a, uh, probably one of the only prophetic moments that I've had where you know, you, I didn't know what to say to you because I was just like, what? You just got fired? And then you're like, yeah, I don't have a job. I'm like, what is he going to do? And then- Oh, sorry. Just to piggyback on that, we bought uh, this house. We closed yeah. on it like a few weeks before oh, and we moved here yeah. because I had the income from this job and my wife's job. And I was like, I don't have a job and I just bought this freaking house. What am I going to yeah. do? That's, that's when I was really freaking yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So I I just was I had nothing to say. I was just like in shock. But I wanted to like, you know, say something comforting. And then it was all of a sudden it's just like this voice in my head was like, Tom, six weeks. I'm like, what? It was like, Tom, six weeks, got a job. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, this is super weird. Never happened to me before. Obviously, you know that because we're best friends, whatever. But I'm just going to say it. I think God told me that you're going to have a job in six weeks. And you're like, okay. You're like, I guess I don't have any reason not to believe you, but that is interesting. And then it just, you know, kind of faded away. It's like, and I didn't hear anything for a long time. Yeah. I actually forgot about it. Yep. And then that job came up that you actually ended up getting. You had multiple interviews. And then, um, the, like the day before that you actually got hired, you're like, I think they're going to hire me. I'm like, oh, wow, dude, what week is it? And you're like, it's the sixth week. 
I was like, no way. And you're like, but there's, they said they're not going to get back to me until next week. So a week from today. And I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, I don't know how all this prophetic stuff works. So I don't even care. As long as you get a job, that's all I care about. And then the next day you call me and you're like, yep. got it. I'm like, so in the sixth week after losing your job, you got the job, yeah. which is, I guess, to the what day. God. Not only that, the job that I got was for a senior financial aid planner. And my background was in theology. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, it was ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm going on record saying that's only happened to me like, yeah, maybe that one time. Yeah. Maybe a few times, but. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was like showing me, okay, God's taking care of you. Yeah. He's definitely not giving up on you here. Is going to help you through this season. And we always knew that this was a, a season. Mm. It was, was going to come to an end. Yep. This was not a forever gig. No. Uh, and it did come to an end. It did. Uh, in a funny way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that. You didn't get fired. Just FYI. I didn't get fired. He did not. The school got fired. The school got fired. So I'll just one sentence explain one it. One sentence. Uh, for eight months... It was a really great healing thing for me. My boss was awesome. Just yeah. Francis was just such a good dude, and uh, it was it was a time for me to heal for in a big way. And he really shielded me from some some rough stuff at the company. And then eventually he quit. Um, and then they hired a different boss, and she she just t- kind of towed the line. And I actually really like her as a person, but she did what they expected her to do. Um which was just push and push and push and push and try to get more students and more students. And I was signing up students who were, uh, I just didn't feel good about it. Not fit for the program. Not fit. And uh, it was, I just didn't feel like it was a good thing for me to be doing. Like I I felt like ethically, I was like, I don't feel great that I just helped this student sign up for, you know, $50,000 in loans and they they can't read the contract. Like I'm reading it to them. So it's not illegal, but it's, yeah. It's not great. So anyways, the university got shut down. The federal government shut them down. <laughs> the federal government. For those types of practices and other, you know, kind of corrupt, you know. Yeah, things. extremely corrupt. Which is sad because the uh, I just do want to say this. My A lot of my coworkers were some of the most wonderful people. We weren't corrupt. We were just trying to do a great job. And these they were way better at it than me. They had great hearts. And they're wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, it just got greedier and greedier higher up until it, From the it top, got kind of yeah. ugly. So that came to an end. It did. Which you were already planning to be leaving that job. I was trying to figure out a way out. Relatively soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. Mm-hmm. God gave you that job for that specific time frame. Yep. It was very helpful for that season. Extremely. But then he was moving you into something new, something else. Yeah. Uh, towards something ministry-related once again. And why I said in the beginning where you went from uh, former megachurch pastor to the people's pastor is because you never stop. You know, you you never stop doing what you were doing. You, ne- you never stop being a pastor to people. Uh, and you'd always tell me just the most ridiculous stories of you ministering to people. And one of the things that is extremely unique about 
your gifting and calling, in my opinion, is that the people on the margins who you'd be like, this person would never be interested in God. Mm. And they have like the craziest story, the craziest life. And then they always end up talking to you about faith and it's nuts. Uh, And people are just super honest, open with you. And you guys have phenomenal conversations. So you're the people's pastor. You always, you never stopped. Mm. Um, so that's that's running throughout this whole time frame, throughout this whole season. And then um, brings you to this. So that kind of wraps up our conversation uh, for today. But what what is God doing in and through you now? Uh, as I've been preparing to launch this podcast, uh, I prayed that I would really be healed so I could move into what I kind of view this as a ministry. And um, it's a way for me to pastor without, there's a lot of things I couldn't say or couldn't do when I was pastoring for a mega church. Not because they were wrong or evil, it just wasn't on brand, right? Say whatever I want. Whatever I feel called to say, I can do whatever I want. And I mean, you guys can cancel me, but you'd just be on a long list of people who already have. So I joined the club. Um, but I really do think that a lot of you feel the way that I do. And I prayed that I'd be healed, like really healed to walk into this ministry um, fully myself, like as God created me to be. And not to say I'm done or a finished product, but what? as soon as I prayed that, I, I had a scary thought. I was like, ooh, sometimes to be healed, you got to be broken first. I wonder if that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, within a few weeks, I got really sick. Really, really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, struggling to get out of bed sick. And I saw six doctors, ran a gambit of medical tests at hospitals and urgent care clinics and got nowhere. No idea what it was. Um, and then I ended up Raymond connected me with this guy who's a healer. He's a chiropractor, but he does this weird brand of chiropractic care that I can't even explain. Um, but he, he's a healer in a way. He does he does things, he understands things from your body, like he's listening to the Holy Spirit or something. And I think he is, honestly. Um, what are you, a charismatic now? Come on, dude. <laughs> If that's what makes me, I guess. I don't know. But it's, <laughs> no, I love it. I it love was it. wild. His first session with me, he said, oh, wow, there's a lot of trauma here. And he's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this and you're going to feel an emotional release. I'm like, okay. And he fixes it. And I feel like a tiny pop or whatever in my back or somewhere else. And, and then all of a sudden, I just am sobbing hysterically for 45 minutes. I don't cry. I'm not a soft person. <laughs> I'm getting softer. Um, I cry. I try to cry once or twice a year. I, cause I think it's good for my soul, but it's really hard for me to do. Not cause I think it makes me a, you know, lady girl or whatever. I don't, whatever you want to call it. I just, I just don't, I don't know. Well, you got that advice from your therapist, your Raymond. What's that? Is he said you have processed through an insane amount, grown a lot, mm. but you're, you've not allowed your body to uh, get up to speed with you. And part of that is you need to, to cry through this, yeah. this grief. And for those of you who don't know, uh, go read The Body Keeps the Score, but trauma is stored in your body. And I had a lot of trauma. 
um, the church trauma and other stuff like that's that's actually small compared to some of the other stuff I experienced. Yeah, that I'm not going to go into detail of because that's not useful. <laughs> but uh, I maybe someday I'll give you pieces. But uh, yeah, I I'm in his office crying for like 45 minutes. I'm like what the heck? But I didn't think anything. Like I wasn't sad. I was actually really happy. I just, I was like, what is going on? My mind is blank, but I'm just sobbing. And he said, that's trauma leaving your body. And I was like, okay, okay. And this is the chiropractor healer guy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I've been seeing him for about a month now. And hmm. my um, health issues have gotten better and better and better and better and better. And uh, we still don't know fully what's wrong. I have some theories, but I, I'm they're not worth sharing because I'll just be wrong sometimes. But <laughs> when I figure it out, I'll let you guys know. But I do know one piece of it is he said my adrenal glands are devastated, um, which I feel. I'm very tired. I feel like I have one-eighth of the energy that I did at 20. I was the most energetic, crazy person on the face of the earth at 20, wasn't I? Uh, I'm no 31 comment. now. And I expect yeah. like... At 31, you're not going to feel like you did at 20. But yeah. I shouldn't have one-eighth of that energy. Like, it should be... I don't even have kids, bro. Like, there's really no excuse. I should have... I, I would settle for half. I would kill for yeah. half of that energy. But I'm, yeah. I'm slowly starting to ramp up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like myself. And it's time to launch the podcast. So mm -hmm. that is where we're at mm -hmm. now. And I'm actually doing a second yep. podcast with my wife. And... Yeah, I mean, between my experience at that mega church and my experience at uh, a university that got cut, uh, shut down for um, predatory okay. lending services, uh, I would say that I got really tired of working for other people that I just don't feel are out to help other people. And if there's a way that I can do this as a ministry, um, no. I'd love to. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and beg you guys for money or anything like that, but uh, I'm going to create opportunities for you to support the podcast if you want to. I'm going to create opportunities um, for you to support me in some fun ways. And uh, we could talk about that. But uh, also because I'm doing real estate, um, you know, in Vancouver, I'd love to help any of your friends and family um, out that are in this area in Washington in general. But if uh, you're not in this area, I can also provide a referral. Uh, that doesn't actually cost you anything. What it means is you say, hey, man, I trust you, which I hope to earn your trust. Um, can you help me find a good real estate agent? And what I'll do is call and interview some people and I'm going to find some really legit, really good real estate agents for you. And I'm going to interview them first. And uh, it doesn't cost you a dime, but I get a cut of their commission. Um for doing that. It's a referral service and, and we do that for each other. So it works both ways. You know, it's going to happen to me too. Um, but that's, that's one of the ways that uh, real estate agents can get paid even if we're not in your state. And so maybe you don't want to, you know, hand me some cash because you don't know what I'm going to do with it or whatever. But uh, you do trust me enough to at least help you find a real estate agent. And that's actually a legitimate way that you can support my podcast. Um, actually, it'd be really helpful. Because so, that's what, you want to be doing that's that's the ministry you want to be in a ministry yeah and like, i really do i don't want you to find some people. you know some dangerous real estate agent i, I mean there i would say most real estate agents are really good people but if you don't know 
let me do that hard work for you. And, uh, mm. and it's a way that you can support this without, you know, having to worry about subscribing or anything like that. And if you want to do that, more power to you. We'll, we'll create opportunities for you to do that too. But that is uh, one of the things that I'd love to do is if this means anything to you, if you want to support this ministry, I'd love, um, I'd love for you to partner with us. I guess that's the show that is uh, getting to know your host, the canceled apprentice. It's a lot more than anyone ever wanted to know. Cole Vandervoort. Yep. And uh, the one thing I will say is Jake, you have been my closest friend my whole life. You've done everything with me for the most part until we are too far geographically, but still we do almost everything together. I'm there for the birth of your kiddo and, and uh, man, you mean the world to me. And doing this is a blast when when you have been here and have had time. I know that you have other commitments, but um, when I do get you, it's awesome. And when I don't, you know, I love you from afar. And just so you guys know, the biggest factor in my life that has kept me on a straight road, that has kept me sane, that has pulled me out of dark pits, Jake, is this guy right here. If you guys could have a friend half as good as him, you would be truly blessed beyond measure. Dang. Thanks, man. I guess we'll end it with that. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Signing off. All right, guys. Have a good night. Hey, I hope you enjoyed my wild story and didn't cry too much. Uh, One thing I've had quite a few people ask me about is different ways to support the podcast. If you're interested in that, or if uh, you're a friend of mine, or maybe you just really like what you're hearing, for the price of a cheap beer, you can actually uh, support me on Patreon and you'll get access to a ton of new content, including bonus interviews with all of the guests that I've had where I get to ask them ridiculous stuff. And it is the funnest part by far to me. Another thing we've set up through the Patreon is an opportunity for you guys to ask me any questions you want my opinion on. And I mean anything, I don't care. Ask away. I expect that it's gonna get a little wild and I'm gonna try to answer as many of those as I can on a once a month special Patreon podcast. Also, because we're a new podcast, uh, it would mean the world to me if you're enjoying it or maybe even not, if you would subscribe and if you would share it with a few people that you think might be interested in. And also very important is if you'd be kind enough to leave a review uh, so that I have some feedback from you and so that other people can see you know, what you take away from the podcast, then I can keep doing it. And that would be my dream. Uh, we're trying to blow up as fast as possible because we're brand new. And also I've spent a good chunk of money getting this thing ready for you guys. So thanks again. And I appreciate you listening. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Cancelled Apprentice podcast. I'm proud of you guys. I love you. May you be free from shame and ready to trade.